It's so good. So it's Christmas time. Like I said a second ago, it's the Advent season. And like I also said a second ago, it's been a billion degrees outside <laughs> every day. And uh, our, our year has been the strangest year in the love household. I feel like for my whole life, just been, and also just since Thanksgiving, I feel like we've been playing catch up. So I haven't really been in the headspace of Advent season, Christmas time. We got some decorations up, but we still have like some boxes out that need to be done. And it feels so strange and so weird because we also have our baby. And so it's like, Christmas time, let's do Christmas time things. And it's also so strange too, because last year she was not as old as she is now. <laughs> and I can't do math at all. My brain is shutting down. Uh, six months old. Thank you. She gave me a hand signal. Six months old, my baby was then. And now she is 18 months old. <laughs> Because 6 plus 12 is, guess it, what it is? 18. That's basic math for you. We can leave now. My baby's 18 months old, and there's an aspect of it where, where, where we're, wanting, we're wanting to take advantage of this season. Because as a culture, what do we do? We celebrate the birth of Jesus. As a culture, we're driving down the street. Not so much our street. Our street's very boring. Like We just, we just moved. Oh, that's a whole other thing. So anyway, um, and our street's really boring, but you drive around, you see, you see the light-up manger scenes. You, you drive downtown, and of course, it's mixed in with, with all the other Christmas culture, but you see Jesus. You see pictures of the manger scene. You see pictures of the shepherds. You see pictures of the big star in the sky. You see you have all of these opportunities to tell the story of Jesus. And when Ryan lost his voice so dramatically this past <laughs> week, just 100% gone, and called me to preach, I had this opportunity. And I began to think and contemplate and really force myself into this Advent season and no longer get to play catch-up since Thanksgiving and no longer have to worry about 2021 and what's it going to look like as we go into 2022 and really think about the Advent season. And what I love about this time of year, what I'm challenging myself during this time of year for the past, I don't know, for a while, has been viewing the birth of Jesus from not so traditional or typical standpoints. And as I look at my 18-month-old child, and as I look at, we, as we build our family, and we, as we build our household, there's a lot of those things that I want to take advantage of teaching that way as well, because she's going to get a lot of the traditional things at school and at, as, as the culture teaches those things. And I'm wanting to cultivate a certain aspect of it. So today we're talking about the humility of Jesus and what it looks like for Jesus to humble himself to the manger. Jesus humbled himself and was born on earth. And that's a statement that a lot of times we don't often think about. It's a statement that a lot of times 
and I don't know if I should necessarily lump you in that. That's a statement that a lot of the times I haven't often thought about. Because when we think about the birth of Jesus, when we think about the birth of Christ, oftentimes we think about that as the beginning point, And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Because what's the beginning point of someone's life? It's when they're a baby. What's the beginning point of someone's life? It's when they're conceived, right? Whenever, whenever you announce that you're having a baby, that's, that's whenever you are. You think about them as the, at the beginning point of their life, right? We think about the beginning point of Jesus. Oftentimes, Mary is visited by Gabriel, and Gabriel's like, what's up, Mary? And she is super, well, he's, she actually, he's like, what's up, oh, favored one? And she's super perplexed like that, and he's like, don't be afraid, which I don't know what all happened in the room at that time, but I don't feel like that's a super afraid moment, for her to be like, I wonder what that means. And he's like, don't be afraid. I don't know what was going on. Maybe she was like, <gasps> I don't know if that, was a, if that was how she showed her perplexion. What? <laughs> but anyway, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. We look at this moment of Mary and Gabriel oftentimes, and we think this is the beginning point of Jesus. And it's not, again, it's not wrong for us to think this way. This is how our culture has been divided for so often as well. Look at how we divide time. B.C. and A.D., we got before Christ and Anno Domini. Is that how it's pronounced? Where's my, where's my people that know things? I know, right? I lost my one guy. Anno Dominos. So, the year of our Lord, right? That's what it, that's what it translates to. It's not after death, as I was often told on the school playground. It translates to the year of our Lord. That's how we divide, how we divided time for so long, before Christ, and then once Christ was born and afterward. That's how oftentimes, that's how I grew up thinking about the scriptures. It's Old Testament and New Testament. With the dividing, what's the dividing point? It's Jesus' birth. And so we oftentimes don't think about Jesus being there for the whole thing. And he was, and he has been, and he always will be. And I'm going to reiterate some of the things that, that Ryan talked about last week, and he can't stop me. He can't say a word about it. Look at him. Just smile, he can't even laugh about it. So in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Actually, pause for a second. If you guys want to be in the main passage that we're going to talk about in a little bit, it's Philippians chapter 2. So if you want to turn to where we're going to be in your Bibles, in your phones, in your tablets, in your scrolls, wherever you, whatever you prefer to use, it is Philippians chapter 2. So I apologize for not saying that a second ago. But John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things came into being through him. And I love the way John says this because it's not confusing at all. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. This makes super sense. It's super clear. Don't even have to preach it, right? No, I hate it. I really do. See, every, every, I love John 1, but every time I, I got that first part down, the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And then I get to that part, and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. nothing was created apart from Jesus. That's the point. Nothing was created apart from Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. That, the word there, we're not going to read all of chapter 1, but spoiler alert, the word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God in the beginning, and Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. Everything was created through him. Not one thing came into being without Jesus. Jesus always has been. Jesus is. That's one of my favorite things ever. Because wrap your head around it. I studied philosophy in college, and then I stopped because I left. Thank you. <laughs> but there was moments like that where my philosophy professor would just throw a, throw a philosophical statement out there and then just stop most of the time because she, she had a lot of ADD. But it, it felt like she was letting something sit on us because it just doesn't resonate for us. We are, we are very, very time-bound people. You know why? Because we're bound by time. And so it, it doesn't make sense to us that Jesus just is. But you know what? Jesus is completely outside of time. You know why? Because Jesus created time. Jesus created, Jesus was there in the beginning with God, and then Jesus created everything. There was not one thing that wasn't created outside of Jesus. And I loved, actually, I do love the way that John says it, even though he was like, how many words can I fit into this sentence? I do love the way that he said it, because the way that he does say it implies the vast authority of Christ. Not one thing came into existence outside of Christ knowing that it came into existence. He is the one that brought it into existence. Jesus, this Jesus. Think of creation, the vastness of creation. We out here have a beautiful, beautiful spot where we can step outside as the sun is going down and gaze upon our West Texas sunset. Think about creation and the beauty that God has made. And after that sun goes down, we can look upon a sky filled with stars that God himself breathed out, that Jesus himself numbered. We live in a world where we can just stand and stare out upon mountain ranges and never get bored because of the beauty of creation that Jesus himself brought forth where we are amazed day in and day out by the cameras that we send up into the sky and the cameras that we send down into the depths of the sea. Why? Because of creation. Jesus. I, have you guys ever heard the song, um, Robin Hood and Little John going through the forest, laughing back and forth, what the others had to say? Yeah, thank you. A few nods. Robin Hood from... The 40s? When did that Robin Hood come out? Well, you can't talk. Uh, <laughs> the old Robin Hood. Disney's Robin Hood. I, don't, I didn't know if they'd made other Robin Hoods since, so I wasn't sure to say that, but Disney's Robin Hood with the fox. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I have a newfound love for that song. Because on Instagram, which probably started on TikTok, what people have done is they've taken that song and they've used it for the soundtrack as they do this panorama view of these grand places of the world. It's usually mountain ranges or lakes or the northern lights. And it's so crazy. You played it on mute and you're thinking, wow, what a beautiful scape. And you're thinking there will be like this pad behind it. But then you turn on the sound and it just goes, or I had to say, but I'm looking at this beautiful 
vastness of creation. Jesus, at the beginning of time, created all things. This Jesus chose to be born of a virgin. This Jesus, who created time, stepped down and was born to Mary. This Jesus became a baby human. In Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Here's that again. That Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians reiterates this. Paul says that Jesus is before all things and that in him all things hold together. Everything is held together by Jesus. I have heard this described so poorly that you would imagine that I actually believe that someone used this illustration when I was in college, that you would imagine that this is how I imagined it. They probably didn't do this bad of a job, but that Jesus is some kid, some sweaty kid in a room on top of a stool that only has one leg that has one of those crazy oversized balloons, like big, and he's holding the mouthpiece with his fingers, just pinching the mouthpiece. The balloon is blown up. It's not a deflated balloon. The balloon is blown up, and he's holding the mouthpiece together. And I've heard this, this truth of Jesus, that he holds all things together, described as a child holding a balloon by a mouthpiece. And if he were to slip just ever so slightly, the whole universe would go into, sorry, <laughs> go into chaos. That's, that, that's, that's, how, that's how I've heard this described before. Like, like Jesus is this person that has four walls to an aquarium, and he is the only glue that is holding it together. And if he slips ever so slightly, all the water will break out, and the fish will die, and everything will go into pure chaos. Every single descriptor used has... It's just, it's all dependent. The, the only imaginary thing that we have in that situation is always failure. It's always failure, every single bit of it. You know why? Because a situation with some kid in a room with a umbrella, oh, sorry, with an umbrella. What am I thinking? With, it's been a long week. With a balloon, that balloon will always get let go. Some kid that's trying to hold together an aquarium, that situation's never that situation's never gonna work out. I don't think we can compare Jesus upholding all things by the word of, the, of his power to anything. But I do know that it is something that we can absolutely trust. And I do also think that this is another beautiful representation of the authority of Christ. 
that we see Christ's kingship here. The entire universe is upheld by the word of his power. That Jesus upholds all things. This Jesus, this Jesus stepped down and was born of a virgin. This Jesus chose to be human. This Jesus came down to have his butt wiped by Mary. This Jesus stepped down from these things and became a human. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, it says that Jesus already existed in the form of God. We just talked about all those things. Jesus already existed in the form of God. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be reached for. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be fought for. He did not consider equality with God a thing to strive for, but rather he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what Jesus did. Jesus emptied himself, putting on the form of a servant and being found in the likeness of men. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on on a cross. Why would Paul bring this up in the midst of Philippians? This is a powerful truth. Don't get me wrong. This is an unbelievable, powerful truth that we, during this time of Advent season, during this time where we proclaim the birth of Jesus, these are things that we need to think about. These are things that, like I said, in our household as the Love family, I want to teach and proclaim to our daughter that as we look at the baby Jesus, this is not the beginning point of Jesus, but rather Jesus, this is the creator of all things. This is the upholding of all things. This is ultimate humility shown in a manger. This is beautiful humility, and that's what Paul is getting at. He is, he is saying to the people in Philippi, he is saying, you guys, listen, this, let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. With humility, consider one another more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude, which was also in Christ Jesus, who is the creator of all things, step down and put on put on flesh, who was before time, step down to the constraints of time who dwelled in the glory of God, came down to dwell amongst men, who stepped down and put on flesh, who was in the very form God and became in very form men. He is striving and pointing out to them. He's saying, hey, you guys, you guys, be humble. You guys, be humble. And hey, guess what? I got the perfect, perfect perfect example for you. Man, 
You guys are going to love it. But you know why? Because just like I said a second ago, I'm starting this whole thing off with if you've been changed by the gospel, if you've been changed by the gospel, if you've been affected by the gospel, if you've been shaped by the gospel, if you've been molded by the gospel, then be united by the very spirit that comes by the gospel and then live out this gospel that has changed you and affected you and molded you in such a way that puts others before yourselves just like Jesus did. Jesus, who is worthy of everything, Jesus, who is higher above all, Jesus, who is God, Jesus, who is more worthy than you are, stepped down and counted others higher than himself, stepped down and served others, stepped down and showed love, stepped down and showed grace, stepped down and showed mercy, stepped down and showed compassion. This Jesus whom you serve, who you've been changed by, who you live by, this Jesus who's molded you and shaped you, he did these things. He's the one who's done all of this. Be humble. It seems like a joke to think about our own pride when we look at the king of the universe, right? Stepping down and doing what he did. But it sure doesn't feel that way in the moment when that pride stepping in, does it? It doesn't feel that way when, when we let slip that, that comment that, that's been brewing in the back of our heads for a while so we can get that revenge just a little bit doesn't feel that way when we cry out because I've said so for the third time that day slamming a door just to be met with another slammed door it doesn't feel that way when you're gripping the steering wheel focused dead ahead on the road when she's crying next to you and you're thinking you know what I'm right I'm Right, and she's got to figure that out on her own. I don't need to keep the conversation going any longer. She's got to figure out that I'm right. Those may seem like extreme examples that I've been in one way or another. But what's it for you? What steps in the way of your life to convince your mind, to convince your heart that you should be dominated by pride? That you should think about you in this moment. That you should focus on yourself. What's it for you? Here's the beauty of it. Whatever came to mind. Here's the beauty of this season. We don't have to figure out humility. Christ showed us. We don't have to figure out humility because it's the right thing to do. 
we don't have to figure out humility because of some moral system. We don't have to figure out humility because of this Christian culture that we live in. We don't have to figure out humility to be on some sort of nice list. We don't have to figure out humility because Christ showed us humility. And in the midst of us knowing Jesus, we can be changed and affected by that humility shaped and molded by that humility. Be reminded in this season that God of the universe, Jesus Christ, stepped down and put on the form of flesh, the ultimate act of humility in the manger. Be reminded during this season that he who dwelled in the glory of God came to dwell among sinners. The ultimate act of of humility, be reminded that the one who upholds all things in the universe came down to be born of a virgin. The ultimate act of humility that God of the universe took three nails and a cross, bore away all the sins of the earth, of the earth all the sins of us. He who is deserving of none of that took all of it so that we might know life so that we might come to know him. During this season, we rejoice in the fact that Christ, and he is the beautiful picture of the ultimate humility. And we also rejoice in the fact that, man, we don't have to be humble alone. Christ showed us what it looks like. Now we can walk in that and live that out. We can love those around us a little bit better through the lens of Jesus. We can love those around us more than a little bit better the way that God intended because it's by the means of Jesus, not by our own power, but through the means of Jesus. Jesus came down to show love, grace, forgiveness, and reconciliation all with a servant's heart. And now we who have come to faith in Jesus, we can be like him. Let's take a moment to respond together. Let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, we praise you as God and thank you for your humility shown in becoming a man. May we walk in that same humility and honor you with our lives. Jesus, we praise you as God and thank you for your humility shown in becoming a man. May we walk in that same humility and honor you with our lives.
Jesus, we praise you for all that you've done. We thank you as God, as creator, as the upholder of all things for humbling yourself, becoming a man, becoming a servant, becoming a perfect sacrifice for leaving the grave empty, conquering sin, conquering death. We praise you that during this season we can take time to rejoice that you've done all this, that you have stepped down. We pray that we can view this as the most humble act there is. And as we live and walk in you, our lives can reflect that same humility as we learn from the best, Lord Jesus. As we serve you, as we walk in this community that you've given us, may we love you and love your people well. Jesus, we praise you, we love you. It's in your most precious and holy and powerful name that I pray, amen.